before we get continue with the episode, I would like to thank Anchor for sponsoring this episode of the Zay Coleman Podcast. Oh boy, boys, it's been what, four days. First of all, I would like to, I just want to make a public announcement. Uh, Yeah, Narayan was supposed to be on this episode. Again, conflicting schedules. That's basically all it was. Like I said, I do want to point out that uh, the flaw in some stuff I've posted on the socials lately. I do want to, just want to say that. Like I said, it's just conflicting schedules. I couldn't get bro on the episode. So we are going to do, today is like basically the review of the second round slash predictions for tonight's games. The uh, first round. Of the NBA playoffs, or sorry, the conference finals round of the playoffs. Jesus. <sighs> of course, you remember, it's been about two weeks when, since uh, me and Orion predicted our second round predictions. And we got three of the, I believe, I, I don't actually, I, I have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure we all, we had three of the four right. I know I had three of the four right, because I did at the end say Celtics and seven. I do want to point out one thing, though. This is going to turn into a Phoenix Suns rant, and I really don't want... I've seen a lot in the last two days of the slander of Chris, uh, Chris Paul. While, yes, he had an absolutely horrible series, and I will die on that. He had a god-awful series. I don't think this affects his legacy nearly as much as people think it does. For two reasons. For two reasons. Number one, Chris Paul is automatically a Hall of Fame point guard, whether you, no matter what slice of the cake you want. He is in hall, is, he is a Hall of Fame point guard. He is still a top five point guard. You can't tell me that there has not been a game at Johnson choked in his NBA career, John Stockton, or Steph Curry, or Isaiah Thomas, as much as I would love it as a Detroit Pistons fan. Isaiah Thomas. Uh, you know, Oscar Robinson. There has been games where every Hall of Fame player has had a bad game, or even a bad series. If we're being honest with each other, you can't tell me that that this Chris, this game of Chris Paul immediately wipes him from top seventy-five conversations or top five, top ten point guard conversations. No, he is still a top five point guard. He is still top five point guard currently in the NBA. He will be in all, on the All NBA team, whether y'all like it or not. This Chris Paul game, like I said, he's serious. He was absolutely terrible in the series. There's nothing that you can argue to tell me that he had a decent series. He was god-awful. He is still a top-five point guard, though, and I hope, I wish people understood this more. Bad games, bad stretches, don't make play. I remember literally four months ago, probably at this point, Steph Curry had a, a horrible shooting stretch. He was shooting, like, 20-something percent from three on, like, 11 attempts. And the people would say, is Steph Curry washed? Spoiler alert, Steph Curry's not washed. He's got a, well, high chance of making it to the NBA Finals this year. Just just as, just off of pure, just off of pure speculation. Again, we'll get into it. But I want to just point out, again, the Sun, like I said, Devin Booker, was horrible in Game Seven. The entire Suns, let's keep it about the entire Suns roster was horrible in Game Seven. Most of the Suns roster has been horrible in the playoffs. But again, Devin Booker is still probably the best shooting guard in basketball. I would pretty, I'd stamp that. I'd st- that's a stamp of approval. He is still the best shooting guard in basketball. DeAndre Ayton still a top five center. 
I did see somebody tweeted. I don't remember. I'm not going to give shout out anyway. Somebody saying this game is like it was, it was something in the line of DeAndre. Like, does DeAndre's eight and deserve a max is a real question right now. And depends on what team you ask. Like, if it's again, I'm just throwing the team out because they got a lot of money. Detroit Pistons. If they were offered DeAndre Ayton four year hundred million, I wouldn't hate it as a Pistons fan. I would not hate it. A, we got a legitimate top five, top ten center in the NBA. He's still only twenty three, mind you. And like I said, and it's a four year deal. Like that I would not hate as a Pistons fan. If I'm the Phoenix Suns, where I already have max money tied into Devin Booker and max money tied into Chris Paul and Fat, fat extension tied to Mikael Bridges. And Jay Crowder's up for an extension. And I just gave Cameron Payne a three-year deal. Cam Johnson's going to be up, I believe, this year. is is he, He'll be eligible for an extension. you got to ask that question for DeAndre with DeAndre Ayton. Now, Detroit, Killian Hayes probably isn't commanding a whole lot of money in a couple years. This year, they don't uh, – like I said, their 2019 first-round pick's no longer on the roster, so – they don't have to worry about like, an extension with him. But like Kay Cunningham, his his extension is three years down the line. We're good there. Um, Sadiq Bay, again, as great as Sadiq Bay is, I don't think he's commanding a whole lot of money right now. He'll he's probably commanding around a seventy to eighty million dollar range currently with his current play so far. Like I said, he could probably play higher than play up to being higher than that, but right now it's around the seventy eighty million dollar tier. And nobody else is really commanding an extension period on this roster because, like I said, nobody's really, nobody else is really safe on this roster other than Cade and, and Sadiq Bey and maybe Killian Hayes. Jeremy Grant has been heavily featured, uh, heavily rumored. Isaiah Stewart is always somebody that could be put in as a trade pitch, a uh, trade piece. You know, uh, Kelly Olynyk's money can easily be used as a trade piece. Same thing with. Basically anybody, honestly. Like I said, anybody could be eligible for a trade there. But realistically, like I said, I just threw Detroit out there because they're a team with a lot of cap space. Like I, I can also say that about like the Charlotte Hornets potentially, if they want to move off of Terry Rozier, go get a big man. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Same thing with like uh maybe Indiana. Indiana, I think, has a decent amount of cap space. But I also think they they're probably looking to put that extension into Miles Turner more into a sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton. Although, if a sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton centered around Miles Turner happens, I would not be opposed to it because, again, you get a much, much, much better big man or defensive big man. Let me put it that way. Much, much better defensive big man and a great stretch five for a Chris Paul and DeAndre uh, uh, Devin Booker. Sorry. And, like I said, that's where you can get your potential, like I said, stretch the floor. And give Devin Booker and Chris Paul a whole lot of room in the pick and roll. Now, Miles Turner is already a good uh, pick and roll big man, but imagine him being a pick and roll big man with a Chris with Chris Paul next to him. I would I would like to see that. I'm not again. I'm not in favor. I'm not saying outright trade DeAndre Ayton, but if it's clear that the Suns don't see DeAndre Ayton as the big man to go for a championship, a championship, a winning title. I, I'm exploring options to potentially move him. Now to go to the full breakdown of why exactly the Phoenix Suns have all these questions to ask, 
I believe we covered game six. We did cover game six. I do remember one of the titles being stunned to one went away. So game seven. This was a train wreck. I'm a, I'm gonna be completely completely honest with you. I did not watch from like the six minute portion of the third quarter. I did not watch this game. Well, the last eighteen ish minutes of this game. This it was it was a train wreck. It was like DeAndre Ayton picking up three fouls in like a three minute time span. Devin Booker was absolutely like Reggie Bullock giving all defensive player all defensive team uh nominations just off of this series alone guarding both of the backcourt mates this this series but this series was indeed a train wreck in every sense of the word for the Phoenix Suns I mean literally and figuratively this this series this series was not fun. It was a seven game series, but I don't you couldn't tell me one close game from this series. You couldn't tell me one. This series was a blowout city, blowout city, blowout city, blowout city, blowout city, blowout city, and blowout city in a seven game series. I picked Suns and Six legit because they were the better team, but I thought Luka Doncic would give them two. Luka Doncic gave them four. And two of those, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't show up. Granted, the last two wins, Spencer Dinwiddie had immense impact on on this game. Jalen Brunson, he definitely showed up in this series. He definitely had a bounce back from a pretty, pretty terrible first two games against Phoenix and had a great last five in. The role players on this Mavericks team were A+. A plus. Reggie Bullock had a game. Dorian Finney Smith had a game. Maxi Kleber had a game. Davis Bertans had a couple of games. Uh Spencer again, like I said, Spencer Dinwiddie finally showed up. Dwight Powell, even though he played limited minutes, he was basically like this was probably the best Dwight Powell looked in even in the limited minutes. Probably since he first got paid by Dallas, in all in all honesty. Like this has been the best that Mavericks team has looked legit since the title team. And is that saying something? The Mavericks, the fact that the Mavericks are in the Western Conference Finals is even a surprise to me. Like I said, I was a pretty big fan of this team post-trade deadline. I was like moving Porzingis and going with the some, somewhat Houston Rockets uh, style game plan, which then you saw with uh, the Luka Hart in comparisons. Them space to the floor out with the pick and roll big man. I 100%. I was a fan of it because Houston was so successful with it and literally was one game away from winning or probably winning a championship. If Chris Paul doesn't get injured, ironically, in Houston, they probably win a championship with that space and pace lineup. Jalen Brunson, what is their Chris Paul? Spencer Dinwiddie, is their Eric Gordon or Lou Williams, or it would be more Eric Gordon. He's there. He's there. Eric Gordon. Dwight Powell was sort of their Clint Capella, not nearly as good of a defender or rebounder, but he's still he he's like I say, he's that pick and roll lob threat big man that they had. That's basically his role. Dorian Finney Smith is sort of their PJ Tucker, by far their best defender, and by far they're probably one of their best shooters too. 
like I said, this team has every ingredient to be just as successful as that team. Now, again, they got to play the Warriors. And if, you know, I don't know, Jalen Brunson tweaks his hamstring or something, give or take. Like I said, knock on wood, obviously. Like I said, knock on wood. Yeah, if I, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to the Mavericks winning, though. If the Mavericks ended up winning the series against Golden State, this is a super, like I said, this is a star, star making, star keeping performance for Luka. Because, like I said, he's already a star, already a superstar. But you have made a legend in, in Luka Doncic. If he's able to take out, he successfully ended the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert era in Utah. He ends the 64-win Suns and then ends probably the best dynasty of an era or the best dynasty may potentially ever. I know, you know, Chicago, uh, the Bull, the Bull, 90s Bulls, but definitely one of the best dynasties ever in the Golden State Warriors in the same playoff run. That is a superstar making for And you take out, and especially if they were able to go all the way and they beat a top-tier defense, whether if it's Miami or Boston, Come on. That is a superstar. That's a legend-making performance in Luka Doncic, from Luka Doncic if he's able to pull it off. Already, he's he's exceeded all expectations and honestly run this team back. Maybe probably get a better center, to be honest. But you, the, like I said, the blueprint is there. This, this, uh, God. I so want to go back to a Phoenix Suns rant, but I really don't. Like I said, because I wouldn't even say Phoenix played terrible in the series outside of Game 7. But it was it was obviously a disappointment. It was obviously a letdown to everybody that had the Phoenix Suns going far. It was a letdown to me who's somebody who was constantly said on, not even just on this podcast, but in real life, with the boys here in Florida, Virginia, whatever state I'm in. Chris Paul is the one guy in the NBA left that I truly want to see win an NBA championship. Him and Carmelo, but like I said, the Carmelo one's a little bit far-fetched now. Chris Paul is probably the one realistic opportunity I want of a guy that I want to see win a championship. There's actually a couple. Like I said, I was going to say LaMarcus Aldridge, too. Like I said, Lamar- LaMarcus is my guy, too, because like I, said, I sort of molded my game after LaMarcus. But I want this to be – like, if Chris Paul is the only one that gets a championship ring, I'm fine with it. But performances like this this series isn't going to get him there. Devin Booker can do only so much. We've seen it for the first, what, six years of his career, basically. DeAndre Ayton, I'd say, is a limited big man. He is more of a back-to-the-basket, you know. He can hit a midi, but he doesn't take them often. They have to do something with this bench. Cameron Payne was 157% of a disappointment in this playoff run. Regular season, he was pretty good. Like I said, when Chris Paul went down, he was filling in at a point guard. He was really good. You have to upgrade somehow. Landry Shamit, they gave him the extension. And after that, he's been very disappointing off the bench as well. JaVel McGee was the best. JaVel McGee was the best bench player in this playoff run for them. And that's saying a lot. Cam Johnson had a great regular season. 
But after this playoff run that he's had, do you pay? How much do you pay Cam Johnson? That's up for debate. Because obviously they're going to extend him. He's basically their sixth man at this point. How much do you pay Cameron Johnson? Man, there's just there is so much to talk about with just this series alone. There is so much to talk about. Like I said, the Milwaukee Bucks Boston series, we could one hundred and fifteen percent. We can absolutely talk about that series because like I said, that one I think deserves a lot of conversation as well. Mostly because of Mike Budenholzer. But like I said, we we'll let that slide for another day. Damn, this, there's such a there's so much to talk about. It's crazy, but um, but yeah, to 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 piggyback to Dallas, they use the Phoenix Suns game plan on the Phoenix Suns, and but when I mean that is, they took the Chris Paul, they took the Chris Paul Devin Booker approach of attacking Luka Doncic in game one and two, and attack Chris Paul and Devin Booker. From games three through seven, specifically Chris Paul and specifically Jalen Brunson posting up Chris Paul. They talked about it on the broadcast a lot. Jalen Brunson, he's been the guy that's always posting up point guards anyway since high school. He's done. He's he did it to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is that guy that that will attack Luka. That was going to attack Luka Doncic, no matter what. I saw Luka posting up DeAndre Ayton, hitting fadeaways. I saw Luka Doncic posting up Devin Booker and taking him up and unders. He had Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges in a blender. Mikel Bridges, a defensive player of the year finalist, made him look like Isaiah Thomas on defense. Had Cam Johnson, probably one of the most approved defenders in the NBA this season, had him just looking like, had him looking lost for every single second of this series. That Cam Johnson was guarding Luka Doncic, I don't think Cam Johnson got a single stop of Luka, if I'm being honest. Jay Crowder, huge disappointment for most of the series. I know he had the one game, doesn't matter. Jay Crowder basically took the most shots on his team, if we're being honest with you. That's that should not be it for a game seven. For game set for game seven? No. Not nah, sorry. That 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 ain't it. That's that's something we absolutely do not tolerate in this dude in this dojo. You can you can kiss you no no you you can let that leave that at the door. We can get off of that series for a little bit, and we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Probably my favorite series in the second round by far. Not even you say not even probably that was my favorite series, and it lived up to just about every billing that we put it at. At the beginning of this, or at the beginning of the series, when we talked about this series going seven, it lived up to the hype, and then some, and then some. We got a Grant Williams legacy game out of it. We got a Jason Tatum legacy game, game six, 46 points from Jason Tatum. And that was a tough shot maker right there. He showed why he's probably the second best scorer in basketball. Devin Booker is an elite scorer, don't get it twisted, but I just saw Devin Booker get shut down by Reggie Bullock. Jason Tatum had Giannis on him. Giannis on him. Grayson Allen on him. Pat Connaughton on him. Brooke Lopez on switches. Drew Holiday was guarding him. 
especially in game game seven, Drew Holiday was also guarding him a lot, which was weird to me because it's like they they had switched it up, and instead of Jason Tatum going getting off to a hot start, it was Jalen Brown getting off to a hot start. I believe Jalen Brown had nine points in the first quarter. Like it, like I said, as soon as they made that switch from Drew Holiday, no longer guarding JB, JB took advantage of it easily because they said Pat Connaughton, let's keep it a buck. Wes Matthews definitely cannot keep up with uh, Jalen Brown, especially this age of West Matthews, West Matthews' career. I just want to point this out, though. <laughs> this was, like I said, this is probably my favorite series, and this series absolutely lived up to every hype you can imagine. Game 7, like I said, it was a little bit of a disappointment that it ended in a blowout, and basically it was a blowout because of Grant Williams, of all people. But it was really a blowout because of Mike Budenhoser. Now, in case, like I said, most people understand this, but the Milwaukee's defense, Milwaukee Bucks' defensive scheme is we're going to pack the paint. You're not driving on us, and if you drive on us, you've got to kick it out, and we're trusting people that's shooting in the corner. It worked halfway. Derek White was god-awful shooting a three-pointer in this game. He already isn't a good three-point shooter, and he just amplified that times 10 in this game. But it did not work with Grant Williams. Grant Williams, mind you, is a 40% three-point shooter this season, regular season and playoffs. And they left this man open. First of all, had a Game 7 record with seven three-pointers. But mind you, seven threes from Grant Williams, all wide, wide open. I mean wide open. Like, you could not. There's no way somebody could be that wide open when it came to shooting a three-boy. There's no way that you could have left this man open that wide open. It it was crazy. And again, it won't even like Oh, we just it's not like he's shooting crazy shots. It's corner threes. That's Grant Williams spot. If that's the one three-pointer you could not give him is the corner three. Now, if he's shooting top of the key, granted, you'll live or die with it. But his corner three is automatic. I don't even remember. I don't even remember who said it. It might have been Ryan. I don't remember. But somebody said it was PJ Tucker 2.0. He is 100% PJ Tucker. Corner three point shooter plays elite defense. That's all you need from Grant Williams. And again, he can give you some rebounds. Like I said, he'll give you a, a crazy rebound game every now and then. But for the most part, it's just going to be individual defense and, and corner three point shooter. And that's what Grant Williams gave you in this game. And, of course, like I said, they weren't going to absolutely shut down Jason Tatum. He still had his games. But this was the Grant Williams legacy game. Literally, Grant Williams made his name, probably got the fat paycheck of a lifetime because of this game. I also want to give a, a, a big shout-out to Peyton Pritchard in this game also. Hitting the offensive glass, being just a crazy – Crazy, crazy person, like player, off, like literally just hitting on the offensive glass and hitting his shots. And again, he was also one of those dudes that they were willing to leave wide open simply just because, like I said, they they were going to live and die with forty percent three point shooters shooting the basketball. You don't do that with forty with forty forty uh, both shooting forty one percent this year with between Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams, leaving those dudes that hit. A combined was a 10, 11 three-pointers. That's a recipe for failure. A recipe for failure. And again, this is a Mike, this is absolutely Mike Budenholzer thing. I understand. Brooke Lopez does not guard people whatsoever. He he was guarding. 
his he was quote unquote guarding Derek White for ninety percent of Derek White's time on the floor by standing at that basically standing at the elbow. So if Derek White's cutting, he can like I said, he can catch up to him on the cut. But if Derek White he would also leave Derek White on the perimeter because again, Derek White's not a three point shooter, so why guard him? And that worked. Now, if it was Al Horford, maybe that they were leaving it for corner three pointers, I understand. But Grant Williams has a shot to where you you don't leave that open in the corner. And like I said, it came back to bite them. Seven threes. If they not giving up seven threes, they only down seven. Or they they lost what twenty five or twenty eight. So yeah, they would only be down seven. Like that, and again, you shut that down. You probably shut down. Hopefully, like I said, you keep the Drew Holiday guard and James Harden, or I said James Harden, Jesus Christ, Jalen Brown thing, and boom, problem is solved there. But they just didn't. Uh, they, like I said, they they made zero effort to even try and 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 fix the problem that is. Oh, Grant Williams has four threes in the first half. Maybe let's like you know try and guard him. Maybe potentially, I don't know. I don't care if you're giving up buckets to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is an elite bucket getter. If Jason Tatum beats you, then Jason Tatum beats you. But you let Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, and at least on the defensive end, Derek White beat you. That ain't cutting it. We ain't, like I said, Giannis played one hell of a game. Drew Holiday, give or take, he, like I said, his. Drew Holiday has been very iffy in this series. He's been, he's like I said, he's got his numbers, but they have been mostly cherry pick numbers. If I'm being honest with you, those are numbers. We talked about it in the um, in the party. We talked about it in uh, in like I said, in a little private chat that we got. George Hill has been, like I said, it's always the a Bucks point guard curse. It was like that with Eric Bledsoe. It was like that with Jeff T last year, and now it's with with uh with George Hill. Somehow they have these veteran point guards, or I, I wouldn't even say veteran with Eric Bledsoe, but at the time, but these these lower than like said, below average point guards that are getting big minutes, big key minutes for them, and they've come back to bite them. George Hill was horrific in this series. I don't think he scored. Played all those minutes. Javon Carter, even if he's not scoring, at least gives you top notch defense. Javon Carter played two minutes, the last two minutes of this game, along with Tenacious Anadokupo, Jordan Noir, Ray John Tucker, and Louis Vadoza. Is that how you view, view Javon Carter? Come, uh, pay the, come payday? That's how you view, view Javon Carter? Not because he's an elite defender, but he's, like I said, he has zero value over George Hill? Is that what you're telling me? George Hill, who's been horrific basically, basically for most of the series, outside... Outside of him being a catch and shoot three point shooter, which he can't, which he can't be because the Celtics defense doesn't allow dudes that's going to shoot the ball unless you Pat Connaughton. The Bucks role players had to step up today, and neither, none of them did. The one Bucks quote unquote role player that stepped up was Bobby Portis. Brook Lopez, I'd say, is a, a role player too, and he played a decent, he played a good game too. But like I'm talking like Grayson Allen, who's usually a shooter for them. Wes Matthews, who's usually a shooter. Pat Connaughton, George Hill, who, like I said, George Hill doesn't really have it in him anymore. If I'm being honest, those guys did not step up. 
which is a shame because again, this this I wanted this to be a close series. I wanted this or a close game, and it was not that. It sucks because again, like I said, I absolutely love. Like I said, the Bucks. I love the Giannis. I love Drew. I love Chris Middleton. Even like I said, I know he didn't play, but Chris Middleton, like I said, still one of my guys. It's a, it's a shame, bro. It really is a shame. I don't know what they do. What do? What exactly do they do? In, like I said, Bobby Portis has still played to the point where he's still earning a big contract in the offseason. If he declines that player option, he's definitely getting a big contract. I'm I'm just curious at what how do they upgrade any of the positions in the offseason? If Gary Harris is a target for them. I don't know why Gary Harris is always the first name that comes to mind when it comes to free agents this offseason, but he is. Next series, I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. First of all, I absolutely want to commend the Memphis Grizzlies on one hell of an effort without John Morant in the last two games. Obviously, they had the the, the 50-point joint in, uh, in Game 5. Game 6, they were right there until the very end. Kevon Looney on the off in the glass was an all-time performance for him. Draymond Green, same thing. And Clay, Game Six, Clay showed up. That, like I said, you can't really beat. You can't beat that even with a, a fully healthy roster. You definitely ain't beating that without your top player. Like I said, they, the, like I said the Memphis Grizzlies absolutely have a had a commendable performance for ninety percent of the series. I know you know some of the dirty tactics, give or take, but that's what makes this team this team. And 100% commend them absolutely for whatever, like I said, for the major contributions they made to this series. They, like I said, they're only going to get better. So I absolutely commend them for the series. On that note, though, I would like also to congratulate the Golden State Warriors, make it to the conference finals first time in three years, which feels weird saying that the Warriors weren't in the conference finals for two whole seasons. But that's something that we got we to gotta do. Now, the more difficult part, predicting who's going to come out of these series, who's going to be Eastern Conference champ, who's going to be the Western Conference champ. First series, I would like to say, good Lord, this Miami Heat-Boston Celtics series is going to be difficult to, to watch. I wouldn't say difficult to watch, but it'd be, it's going to be difficult to decipher who's truly the better team in this. Like I said, of course, Miami has the home court advantage, but... It's still wild to be that like this. This is just a, this is a series that's happening. Like I said, it's a series that I'm like I'm 100% happy that's happening. I'm glad Philly, you know, did Philly things and choked, which we will get to Philadelphia in a little bit after we do the, the, the do do the review or the preview. Sorry, but it's it's like I said, it's still wild to me that we're getting Miami and Boston in the con- like this is a conference one like granted it looks at a lot of people like Miami coming into the season few people like Boston coming into the series or see- into the season but nobody predicted that this would be the conference finals a lot of people had Brooklyn a lot of people had um had uh uh Jesus had Milwaukee uh going back to back but I'm happy that this series is happening for two reasons number one I'm, it's guaranteed that I'm going to love it's, – it's, first of all, it's going to be a new team. Like I said, it's going to be a fresh team. This Miami Heat team feels fresh. And this Boston Celtics team is definitely, like, for the first time in forever that this team is going back to the finals. So, without, like I said, with that being said, this series is going to be tough. And this series I'm also predicting going to seven games. 
is this going to be a, a potential Miami game just because they have the home court? But I don't. I just don't know. I really don't know. Like I said, Boston is such a good defensive team that I feel like they can match up well with the Jimmy and the Bam, and even Tyler Hero for that matter. But Miami is such a good overall, like scrappy team. Also, like I said, I think they they can give Jason Tatum the uh, the problems too. But they also have Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum, who've essentially, and like I said, in my opinion, I think have been the two best players in the in the Western Conference playoff or in the conference play, definitely in the East. But I think just in the playoffs in general, they have been the two best players. I don't know where to to, to start. I really don't. Like it's tough. Like I said, this series one hundred percent is going seven games. But I see this probably being a Miami series. It's gonna suck because again, I've, I've I've been Boston all the way for the vast majority of like I said the series or this season. But I, I I'm I'm leaning Miami here. I'm I'm like I said I I don't I just don't know like I said this like I said I have it in the notes blink in seven. I still don't know what's gonna happen. I really don't. This could easily be a Five game series, four game series, whatever that it surprised us like the Boston Brooklyn one did, but I I just, I see that there's no way that Boston doesn't win a game this series. Definitely don't see the series being a sweep, but I say Miami and seven. And again, that might come back to bite me too because, like I said, I had Miami in four and they put up a stinker against Philly. So yeah, uh, like I said, that give or take on that one. Golden State, though, I think one hundred percent Golden State does beat Dallas in this series. Like I said, I feel like the the <laughs> Luca has definitely shown an edge. He definitely showed an edge in that Phoenix Suns series that I I don't think Draymond Green could break. But I think the combination of Draymond Green probably getting the Luca matchup, they don't really suffer but a mismatch there. Ah, it's tough. It really is tough. I'm all right. I'm gonna go Warriors and six. I'm gonna go Warriors and six. Like I said, it's very. This is a difficult. Like it's obviously difficult because again, it's the two best teams in the West apparently, and the two best teams in the East apparently. It really is difficult. It really is difficult. Like I said, I I I picked. I I didn't have a number, but I knew the Warriors are probably gonna be the one to pull it out. And if we get Warriors Heat in the finals, shoot, I'll sign me up for that. You get the Miami culture versus what the Golden State Warriors are present, presented in the playoffs so far. Trust me, I'm here for it. Even if it's the opposite, if it's Dallas and Boston, Warriors and Celtics, if it's Golden State and Boston, if it's Dallas and Miami, similar to 2011. Hey, get like I said, sign me up for that too. Like I said, any combination of the finals this year, I'm happy about because it's not the Lakers, it's not the Lakers, it's not the Nets. And it's not a team that's been overhyped for the season, like a series or for the season. Like I said, Golden State hasn't really been quote unquote overhyped. This is probably the most under uh, under the radar Warriors team since 2015. Celtics is probably like I said this this Celtics team. Like granted, they've been like the hottest team in basketball for four months at this point. But like I, said, I feel like this team is low key still underrated. This Mavericks team has definitely been under the radar for a lot of part of the season, the series, or like, I keep saying series for some reason for the season, and. Honestly, deservingly so, because like I said, nobody really, like I said, they saw, they said Utah, they'd probably beat them in six or seven. They did. Nobody really saw them beating the Phoenix Suns, not even me, honestly. And they did that. They destroyed the Suns. 
I don't see, but I, I just don't know. Like I said, and like I said, they're still not talked about. But I just don't see them beating the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. But again, if the, you want to make a legend out of Luka Doncic, this is how you do it. You he beats one of the like I say he ends the Utah Jazz dynasty, or I won't even say dynasty, but he beat he ends the Utah Jazz era with Mitchell and Gobert. He ends potentially the Phoenix Suns, like I said, the best teams and team in basketball. He potentially ends the Golden State Warriors, probably been the best dynasty since the '90s Bulls. And then he beats one of the. He has to face one of the best defensive teams in recent memory in, in either Miami or Boston. Trust me, he one hundred percent is getting. Like I said, he's going to get that legend treatment. If, like I said, if he's able to overcome all of that. Now, on the opposite end, Golden State gets their first ring in four years. They do it with a mix of young and old. It's not just like the Lakers basically going out and getting every old guy they can find them in free agency and mixing in a little Malik Monk and maybe a Stanley Johnson here or there. This is a Golden State Warriors team that's built off the back of tradition. They've drafted most of the people that are on in their rotation right now outside of Andrew Williams. They've been able to sign under radar guys, Otto Porter and and uh, uh, Gary Payton, the second. I know he's not playing. Probably he's like I said. They say he's doubtful for this series. But um, like I said, Nemanja Bjelica, like Juan Toscano, like said, they've they've been able to build up under the radar radar guys, both from their draft and from free agency, and they've built a perfect team out of it. I could totally see them going all the way. Obviously, Miami, like basically in the same blueprint. I mean, granted, they've had to go sign their free agents and Jimmy Butler and. P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, but they built through finding guys under the radar like a Max Strews, a Tyler Hero, say what you want about him, Duncan Robinson. Even a Dwayne Dedman was seen mostly as under the radar until he got back to got to Miami and showed, yeah, I'm still a pretty good big man because like, he kind of got lost in the shuffle in Sacramento and Atlanta and shoot a couple of other teams, honestly. But as soon as he got to Miami, he showed – yeah, I don't have to be a, a big man that's taking seven threes a game, but I'm st- I'm still valuable, and he's shown that he's been valuable in this Miami system. Even like said guys like Caleb Martin, who again probably wouldn't get an opportunity literally anywhere else, gets an opportunity in Miami and is playing key minutes for them in the playoffs and is giving a positive contribution on both ends of the floor. That's a good story right there for the Miami Heat to win a championship, Boston. A team that has been probably been through hell by media for what six years at this point, basically since Isaiah Thomas's MVP year, which was twenty seventeen. Of course, like I said, trading him after you know the whole situation with his sister and the injury and how basically how they lost to Cleveland, and then they made the trade with Cleveland to go get Kyrie. Kyrie, like I said, the Kyrie situation they've been through everything in that situation. Like I said, with them and then Kemba. High key, the reason that they couldn't win anything last year and even in the last two years. Now they deviated from going and get the superstar point guard, built with their own point guard and Marcus Smart, built around the two elite scoring wings that they have and do it on the defensive side of the bat of the ball. That's a great story right there for the Boston Celtics to win the championship. Like I said, literally every all four teams have a legit case on why they should and potentially could win an NBA championship. And that's why the playoffs are so exciting. Same thing last year. It was like that with the Bucks and the Hawks. The Hawks is essentially playing the Dallas Mavericks in this situation. The Bucks was essentially playing the Boston Celtics in this situation. 
or I guess they'd be been, they would be playing more of the Miami Heat in this situation. And like I said, it's it was fun. Suns and the Clippers were essentially the same way. But hey, I absolutely like I said this this both series is going to be fun. Like I said, these these aren't going to be either a seven game series that ends in seven blowouts, or it's not going to end in a sweep. These are going to be six to seven tough, hard nosed, close games, and I'm going to be. Like I said, I'm gonna be enjoying every second of it because we ain't got that much time left, man. We got like three weeks left in the se- in the season, basically, maybe four. Maybe, like I said, at max a month left in the season. And like I said, it's oh boy, it's getting tough out here. Like I said, it's it's gonna be it's gonna like I said, it's gonna 100 be two fun series to watch. Now, of course. That's not the only thing, man. That's not the only tonight. Tonight is the night. I know it's a theme song. If you know, you know. It's draft lottery time, baby. Man, oh man, it's gonna be. It's, this is going to be. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be on pins and needles for every single one. It's already gonna be. It's, I'm gonna be on every. Every single hand on hands and knees, thighs, hips, neck bones, whatever. Detroit, can we go back to back? Can we go back to back, please? Um, I'm praying. I'm pretty sure we have the third best odds. Can we please go back to back? I don't care if we if we end up in the top three. I don't care. We get a guy. We get one of the bigs that we want. Even if we get four, Jay Nivey's whatever. But I, if we fall, trust me, you're going to be hearing about it on Friday. Now, before we head out, like I said, this is probably going to be the towards the end of the episode. But towards to, uh, so before we head out, I do want to get on a a slight bit of a just like I said, a little bit of news stuff. Uh, Fresno Center, uh, Orlando Robinson, he's staying in the draft and he's hiring an agent. Of course, like I said, he had an excellent series uh, season this year. But um, also Max Christie is staying in the draft too. Like I said, that's an like I said, that's somewhat of a surprise. When I feel like he would have meant like I said, he had a, he obviously had a great season, a uh, great freshman season. But I thought he would have stayed honestly. But I'm glad he isn't. Or like I said, I'm glad he's potentially getting a. He's probably going to be a first round pick if I'm being honest. Probably towards the twenties. But like I said, post draft lottery. It'll honestly probably be Tuesday, which, fun fact, will be the last episode of uh, the podcast before we are in Virginia. I know, crazy times, man. Like I said, last episode before we're in Virginia. But, like I said, that's probably going to be the a little bit of situation there. In other news, um, Otto Porter went through a full practice uh, uh, yesterday. Steve Hurst said he's considered probable for game one of the conference finals tomorrow. Um, as like I said, like I said, Otto Porter has been like one of the like, top guys, low key for the Golden State Warriors. Basically, been like a seventh man for them. And I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad he's potentially getting to play. Like I said, he's he like I said, he's been amazing for them in this playoffs. So like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he is playing and does play a key role for them tomorrow. Marcus Smart went uh, underwent an MRI on the on his right foot and emerged. 
it can't. He came back clean. Like I said, there's way too many words here. Let's hope he'll be ready for game one, and uh, we'll see how it feels to uh, tonight against Miami. Also, Kyle Lowry is out tonight for uh, with for Miami, which I found surprising too. But speaking of surprising, this is what I was alluding to earlier when I said we was talking about Philly. We all made the assumption, me included, that Doc Rivers had coached his last game with the 76ers. I had made the joke that he, because of how stupid he is, he's probably going to be the Lakers' next head coach. Spoilers, he's coming back to Philly. Daryl Morey said that Doc Rivers will be back as the coach next season. Um, Not necessarily the biggest fan of that because DeAndre Jordan probably will be back on this team next season. And... I'm not looking forward to the 76ers with DeAndre Jordan on the floor. This 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 spells desperate. This this reeks of desperation. Because I don't necessarily see where Philly goes from here. James Harden's 100% taking that player option and if they pay him anything more than 25 to maybe maybe 30 mil. Like I said, that's a big stretch. That's what I'm paying James Harden to be desperate is $30 million. If they're paying him more than that, then this team has zero flexibility. And this team has little to no chance of being anything legitimate next year with Miami coming back with another year of Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, DJ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Boston coming back basically with the same team. I expect Al Horford to be back on this team next year playing at a high level. There are going to be teams coming up also, like Toronto, like Atlanta, potentially coming back next year with a, a revamped roster. Don't be surprised if the Hornets are a lot better. If depends on like so what coach they go get. You know, some young teams that have been in the depths this year, Orlando, Detroit, Indiana, depends on what they revamp their roster to be this year. I can see being be- even better next year. Philly gotta watch out, man. They they're they're falling into Utah Jazz levels uh t- territory of I'm done taking this team serious until the serious until they show me otherwise. Anyways, I do want to point just one just one little piece of 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 just just on on my own. Like I said, people have asked uh, about the draft lottery literally since the season ended. I'm like, I'm waiting for specific picks to come out because I don't want to speculate on whether Detroit gets the first pick or the seventh pick of the draft. I want a, a concrete draft lottery. I mean, like I said, I can make the assumption of just about anybody else that's been eliminated in playoffs in order based on 16 through 20, 26? Yeah, 20, 16 through 26 so far. So like I said, at, like I said, once all of that is done for, I do want to. Like I said, that's going to be basically that's going to be my next task is doing a a, a, dra- a mock draft. I said draft lottery. They, like I said, I'm like I said, I'm like I said, we'll be doing mock drafts starting probably next Tuesday. I think that'll be the that like I said, that'll probably be the episode I'm be spending my weekend. Like I said, doing a full on draft. Like I said, we probably won't do a Friday. I'll probably I'll probably be starting it on Wednesday or I should say Thursday of this week. And it'll like I said that'll probably be the next Tuesday episode. But I would like to close out with this. Of course, like I said, you know you know the outro. 
If you missed the previous 114 episodes of the Zay Coleman podcast, you can, of course, check him out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and, of course, right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.